Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's theme? It's card number eight, bleeding heart plant, representing community. Mm, And if we were to describe the illustration on this card, what would you say to folks, whether they have the card deck or not? This one definitely is a, a community. You can see that there is an arch of a stem and on to- on the stem there's several flowers that are kind of loosely heart-shaped kind of looking down into the leaves that are right below it yeah there's like eight kind of pendant shaped flowers that are dangling down off of that arch and i i was trying to figure out how do we describe that sort of reaching out stem. And I think an arch is absolutely a beautiful way to describe it. And then you have these sort of very full leaves. They've got like five, six leaves, and there's probably like six or seven of those sort of at the base of the flower. And then there's this like one that's sort of shooting up where it kind of looks like it's a flower, but I assume it's leaves because the flowers are really the pendants that are dropping down. And they they, these pendants can be like one to two inches long on, on a real flower. And I love how Arlene's uh, written form of the word as part of the artwork is always a little different every time. And in this one, it's kind of the midpoint between the where the flowers are drooping down and where the fern-like leaves are kind of looking up. And it's kind of in the center of the card. And it's a little hard to read, honestly, if you're just looking at the way it's written. And Definitely would not be able to say that that's community <laughs> without it being written below. And I, what I what I appreciate about it is that there's a little bit of a messiness that's communicated here. And the, the M's kind of interweave with the U of the unity. And I can't help but think that there's some metaphor there. With community. Community is messy. That's uh, <laughs> what I'll say. <laughs> Such like sort of democracy. Democracy is mess. People are messy. <laughs> and it, it and we have to be reminded with these little pendants, these little heart-shaped flowers that, okay, love. And I, I love, I, I think you're right, like having the word kind of community below the flowers is like, okay, what are we looking up towards? What's our North star? Right. Love. That's this thing that uh, helps us keep on keeping on. And it's incredible how the actual flower does look like a heart, like a cartoon heart. And, you know, I remember when we were creating the, the, this card, we were a little shy about using the word bleeding heart because it, it is very descriptive and it, it is very direct, you know, in, in, in that word. But then when we looked up the scientific term of that word, we were like, well, very few people are going to be able to pronounce that. So we're going <laughs> to own this bleeding heart theme. And, and, and really, it does look like a heart with blood coming down from the flower. Are you going to try to read the... Uh the Latin word for us? Well, the original old name is Dicentra spectabilis, uh, which actually means two spurs, which is where the flower creates that heart shape. And spectabilis Mm. actually means spectacular and worth looking at. Mm. So I love those two words together. Uh, Spectabilis. (laughs) That might be my new favorite word. (laughs) Um, And it was interesting you bring up the term bleeding heart uh, because 
the normal association, at least that I have with it, is like bleeding heart liberals. And, mm. you know, I, I found that that term was coined in 1938 by this conservative columnist, Westbrook Pegler. And he was absolutely trying to throw an insult. And interestingly, the insult was about a bill that was before Congress that was aimed to curb lynching. So it was pretty wild to sort of think about bleeding heart liberal was sort of a diss on folks trying to sort of ban lynching in 1938. So not that long ago. I mean, I think my grandmother was probably born uh, by that time. Uh, And so it's just this, it has that sort of hyper kind of critical uh, definition to it. But on the other hand, it's also about sort of our hearts. You know, we learned, uh, or I learned at least, you may have already known this, that we pulled this card with a group of doctors in San Francisco. And one of the doctors was actually a heart surgeon. And he said that he took the bleeding heart herb every day. And he literally puts his hands on people's hearts every day. And so it was just this really powerful moment of just realizing that this herb is around healing of our hearts. And for someone who actually heals people's hearts every day, this is not just metaphor, this is life. Yeah, I feel like every week we're learning something new about nature in such an intricate way. When I was uh, researching the healing properties of the of this plant, um, it was interesting to see that the root is actually the strongest place where the medicine is held. And we actually have quite a bit of the, this uh, bleeding heart growing wildly now in the Pacific Northwest, so not far from us. And uh, they actually used this to strengthen the constitution of people who were struggling with syphilis. Uh, so it literally helps to um, increase appetite, stimulate the metabolism. And also um, a lot of the Native American tribes, they used uh, the bleeding heart specifically for pain relief to heal toothache and just to create a sense of calm. Well, that's what I thought was so interesting is that it, it is an herb for broken hearts, like in both in an emotional sense as well. Mm. And the other kind of image that came up as we were researching this was also interestingly from the 1930s was is the artist Georgia O'Keeffe who was going through this rough time recovering from depression after discovering that her husband was having an affair Mm. and she was hospitalized treated for depression and then where did she go she went to nature she went and found solace by painting and one of her most famous paintings is of a bleeding heart. That's incredible. There's so much symbolism to this flower, and I love that you shared the artwork with me too, Omar, as I'm looking at it, this watercolor. And when I was reading about the symbolism of this flower, it's so interesting how it kind of holds a lot of paradoxes. You know, it it represents passionate love between people, It also, in uh, some Japanese folklore, represents 
rejection and unrequited love and the pain that one feels when that love is not reciprocated. Um, And also it's used as a symbol of freely speaking your feelings from the heart. So, so many different metaphors around this. But I have to say it was with using these gratitude blooming cards that I went from really focusing on mindfulness to heartfulness. And, you know, I was like, ah, you know, mindfulness, I could get my head wrapped around. There's a lot of science, you mm-hmm. know, around meditation and the whole idea of rewiring your brain. It feels very like, ah, yes, I can do this. And it sort of very matches like I'm being healthy. And this sort of like fits into my logic brain as well. But I think with the plants and these flowers, really kind of just pausing to appreciate them at a sort of a, a somatic or a physical level. And that's what the heart is, right? It's this physical mm. organ within us that, you know, gives us light, right? Like it, it's the pumping of our blood. Um, and so, I don't know, it's been really beautiful to sort of appreciate these flowers in a very different way and to know that they actually have also these very physical healing properties as well. So I'm curious what's going to come up as we play the word game of five words connected to this plant and, and the word community. And for listeners, um, really practice with us. If there's a word that's coming to you as you're listening, feel free to uh, listen and, and say it out loud as you're listening to us too. So you want to go first here? What word do you want to start with? Love. Liberal. Healing. Pumping. Expression. Fragrant. Unity. Flower power. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But, you know, it's great that you ended on the word uh, unity because there was something beautiful about the balance of like this richness on this flower called the bleeding heart. And then there's a richness in the word community. You know, we think about it as really people coming together. And historically, it was actually just the common people, right? Like not the rulers or the clergy. Um, And so community didn't necessarily mean everybody. Um, It was the Mm. sort of common people uh, was really sort of how it was being defined. And so there was sort of this mm, condescension um, between sort of these words and like how people were showing up. Uh, And so I think, I don't know, I, I appreciate it sort of now where I feel like the public really is all of us and how are we uh, coming together. It makes me think of what you shared last week uh, when we were talking about the community of Redwoods and how there's strength in numbers. And it makes sense that with the common people, it felt like they could grow their strength by coming together and being organized. And it's a, a beautiful way to connect the two themes. So I'd be curious to hear how Arlene, the artist who spent a hundred days illustrating each of these plants and really just listening to them. And I think that 
sometimes it's hard to get our heads wrapped around this idea of listening to a plant and sort of like, is the plant talking to her? Is it opening its mouth? And I think there's just something about, and really, I think she's even said this, where you move past sort of inspiration to discipline. And when you really sit with something and pay attention to what's coming up, that to me is is the listening. And so I'd be curious to hear what Arlene heard with this plant, the bleeding heart. Here is the story behind the community card featuring the bleeding heart. This drawing was inspired by a photograph my husband's friend from Japan sent to me when he heard I was doing a 100-day drawing project. It was such an uplifting moment to receive support in this way. I felt a sincere connection and desire to help coming from him, and I can't express how wonderful it felt to have a couple images of plants from his garden on the other side of the world to help me in my own journey through this project. So while I was drawing this plant, I was feeling so grateful for the connection to community from faraway places. And the further I got into the drawing, I couldn't help but notice how the clusters of leaves and flowers that make up this plant fell into distinct groups. There's a cluster of heart-shaped flowers at the very top, the individual rogue flower next to them, a group of large leaves with a couple blooms tucked underneath toward the bottom, in a group of leaves from another stem sprouting up in the center. Each of these groups looks so distinct, but also strangely all look like variations on a heart shape. A story of what it means to be in community seemed to emerge from this plant. How we tend to belong to our own groups, yet also really belong to the same plant and the plant feels more beautiful and more interesting in all its diversity. I remember how tentative I felt about using the name Bleeding Heart for this card, because it has come to be seen as a negative word to describe someone who shows excessive empathy and compassion to others, as if that's a weakness. I secretly hope in my own heart that we reclaim the origin of the term in the sense that my own heart will bleed, knowing that yours is too. And my community's heart will bleed, knowing your communities may be bleeding too. Because we all are part of the same plant, sometimes even the same stem. Hmm. I have so many emotions uh, coming up right now and you know, I hadn't really thought about what community really meant for me until listening to Arlene's story and, and this card. And it took me back to 1992 and the civil unrest here in Los Angeles and seeing the, the smoke in the air and not being able to see the end of my block because of the fires uh, from the unrest, the civil unrest. And it was my sort of first time into really seeing how fragile cities are, how fragile democracy is. And that really in in many ways set in motion this idea for me that I wanted to go build the world I wanted to live in. That shaped really the next 25 years of my life. And 
culminating in working on the Los Angeles River, which yes, LA has a river, and it's this 51-mile river that really most people now see as a concrete channel. And working on how to sort of reimagine this at scale. And I was working on a master plan with the architect, Frank Gehry, and it was like this massive work. But that was one of the most challenging things about it was a million people live within a mile of the river. And what one community wants may be very different than another community. What the folks who cared about the ecosystem might have been different than the folks that cared about bicycling along the river. And those folks might be different than the ones caring about flood control or housing. And and so democracy is messy, right? Just going from 92 to like, how do we reimagine this public space to solve all the sort of unrest that we've seen with the pandemic in the last year? Yeah. I mean, I think empathy and how do we find that common ground is so important. I'm just really feeling the visual metaphor of us all being part of one plant, like the earth being one very intricate, complex plant. And we're all living and growing as a part of that ecosystem and how we choose to live and spend our energy and nourish the system affects everyone else, even whether or not we can see it or not. And um, just the way she uses the metaphor of the bleeding heart between one person and another person and among communities is really powerful. Yeah. And it's hard to do. It's hard to build. You know, you're trying to create community up in Mount Shasta with Hestia and the 10 acre retreat center that you steward. I got to imagine that, you know, you've seen people coming together for incredible intentions and and it's still being very difficult uh, to find sort of common ground. Yeah, it's been interesting to do community on so many levels. You know, one level is the community of the land and the forest and the wild animals that it's technically their home. And I'm just a visitor and trying to understand how the trees are interconnecting with each other and where to put places for meditation, for gathering, where to put places to, for sleeping and knowing whether or not it's appropriate. And then there's the people that come and the community that we're building. And and I, I also really appreciate Arlene's point about diversity and how that's just such a part of life and not to not something we should shy away from. And there is complexity around holding the needs of so many different kinds of people and beings and and how do we you know integrate all of that well isn't that part of the irony is that we have diversity sort of at one scale right but at the same time we all bleed the same color mm. And so how do we hold that balance, right? Like how do we have empathy because we actually see how much we share in common at the same time that we embrace sort of all the diversity? You know, and I think this is in some ways what nature does is nature reminds us that change is constant. 
right? And what isn't always constant is our ability for our mind to adapt to change. You know, and this is for me on the Los Angeles rivers, there was a, a number of people who were like, hey, this was a thriving ecosystem before we were here, right? As you said, at the same time, you know, hard to build a city around a river that once moved seven miles in any given direction. And, you know, and that's partly why it created this sort of concrete channels because of floodings in the 1930s. And so, you know, there's some folks that are like, oh, well, we want to restore it to what it was, but it can never kind of be what it was. There's now 10 million people that live in Los Angeles. And so really then it's about, well, who are we becoming? And holding that sort of tension between the the nature that was there, then us as people and how our cultures have evolved and the diversity of interests that we have. This idea that we're on this rock, as you said, like hurtling through space, it's this one home that we have and how do we take care of it and how does it take care of us is, is a real challenge. So as we think about sort of these challenges, right, at sort of epic scales to just our everyday lives, right? Like, what is the prompt that was inspired with this card related to community and bleeding hearts? Mm. Bleeding heart, card number eight. Which hearts in your community are you grateful for? How can you express it to them? I love how this theme and this prompt brings it back to something really tangible. And as we think about this time of year, we're where many of us are bringing family and loved ones and coworkers together in celebration for the holidays. How are we expressing our gratitude for the people in our lives? It feels like such a simple thing, and that's what I love about gratitude. Omar, you talk about it all the time, how gratitude is this social emotion and and it literally can bring us closer together. And it's this healing, this goodness that can literally be amplified when it's shared with other people. Yeah, as you shared that prompt this week, it reminded me of this quote from Teddy Roosevelt, uh, which he wrote in 1910. It's called The Man in the Arena, read by JFK. And while the pronouns may be out of date, The sentiment is timeless. Theodore Roosevelt once said, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best, if he wins, knows the thrills of high achievement, And if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I feel like those who just show up again and again, you know, the people in my life, you know, certainly my wife, my kids, my mom, 
my mother-in-law. You know, it's messy, beautiful, right? During the pandemic, having to share space, share resources, and yet also being very isolated from so many other people. And I think about the healthcare workers who show up beyond past that point of inspiration, beyond the, you know, the idea of where a hero is not some beautiful sort of acknowledgement. It's something where it is past that effort. Um, and you have to dig into some reserves that you didn't even know uh, were there to keep going. And then no one to ask for help and to receive help. Those are the people whose hearts I'm just greatly uh, in awe of and appreciative of. What word comes to me when I think about the communities that I'm a part of is care and giver. Um, So many people in my life, I feel like are so generous with their time and their attention and their presence. And if you had... Uh, asked me what I'd be doing now, um, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I would never have told you that I'd be running a community space. Um, And this being the core of my work and also with Gratitude Blooming, you know, we're really stewarding this community that's growing and evolving and vibrant. And um, I think I see how much people care. People really in my life and and beyond, they just want to do right and do good. And I think we all want to see a better world. And, and I'm struck by how much time people are willing to devote to a shared cause whether they, that they truly believe in, um, where they feel hope in the future. And there's too many names to um, to name in this, and I'm just really um, touched by the ge- generosity that I feel that exists in the world through my community. And what were you doing 10 or 15 years ago? <laughs> 10 or 15 years ago. I that so we talked about this in a previous podcast. I think I was had decided that. I wanted to serve a mission in the world and had decided to leave nonprofit education. And I was really resetting my life, not knowing what I was really going to do or contribute to um, outside of the education world that, that I had been a part of for over a decade. And it was this big time of resetting and what I've started to notice about myself, and maybe you need a couple decades of life to know to start to see the patterns. Um, but I, I was able to trace back to when I was five years old, and I was, uh, you know, an immigrant, five years old, first grade in the U.S. The way that I learned how to survive and thrive without speaking English and being able to communicate was observation and just noticing people because. I feel like at the core of who I am, I just love to learn about people. I'm super fascinated by people. Like some people like to play with Lego blocks and dinosaurs. I, for me, the the children or the people around me were my um, were the object of my intrigue because I couldn't speak the language and I couldn't understand. So I would just watch how people would interact and 
figure out ways I could play with my classmates. And um, I ended up loving to host birthday gatherings because it was just this great way to bring my my friends together and create something that was fun and exciting and delightful. And so maybe at the core, my five-year-old self knew who I was going to become. You were always going to be a community builder. <laughs> I love that. You were building community as a five-year-old with birthday parties. Yeah. And I can only trace it back that pattern now because I think in the past, especially myself 10 to 15 years ago, I would have been describing and defining more in a professional context. You know, what is my mission? What is my work? But maybe at the end of the day, the core is just community. Offer some people cake. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no maybe it's no coincidence that you married a baker. Um <laughs> you know, it's and I love what I your what I hear you saying with observation. What I hear you saying is curiosity. And and with curiosity and observing, you found empathy. Mm. You found sort of what is that common ground that you can see that even as an immigrant child who didn't speak the local language, that you still had things in common. And even if other people didn't see it, you were able to see it because you really had to observe. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what really Arlene did, right? Mm-hmm. Is she observed these plants. The other thing that surprised me about Arlene's stories, and I think it was last week and this week, is that the illustrations were actually born out of pictures. So she wasn't even actually looking. Last week, we talked about the redwood tree. This week is the bleeding heart. She was actually just looking at images of those and still was able to find some amazing inspiration uh, in that. And so I just, there's something about that ability to observe even an image can be transformative. So I think we're now going to get to hear two clips from our gratitude circles that we held. And these, again, are just spaces, gratitude circles, where we just pick cards in communities, people gathering around. These ones were really communities of strangers. And it was just the practice of pulling the cards and really seeing what rose with looking at the bleeding heart, looking at the word community, and what resonated with them. And so in this practice of resonance, Belinda and I, after we hear each clip, are just going to mirror and reflect back the exact words that resonated with our hearts. And part of why we do that is because when we can acknowledge what resonates with us, then we can also hear what resonates with each other. And that shared resonance, really that's where we find our common ground. Which hearts in your community are you grateful for? How can you express it to them? I, Falila Aisha Palau, am grateful for the open, tender, and vulnerable hearts in my community. Those people that speak from their hearts, that live in their hearts, that make decisions that are heart-based. Those people that not, are not afraid to love, to lose, to grieve, to enjoy, to have bliss. Those that'll tell you the truth, even when you don't want to hear it, but will do it in a gentle and tender way. These are the hearts I'm so grateful for. My radical healers is what I like to call them. My heart-based people that believe in healing-centered engagement. 
The people that love and the people that just keep loving. Heart-based. The people that love. Love and lose and love again. Radical. Not afraid. I'm feeling really grateful for my sister, Alana, who, while living at home with my parents, I've, I've really been in community with for the first time in our adult lives. And I wouldn't say we ever had a strained relationship, but it's been a really, really long time since we had a joyful, connected one where there's been lots of laughs and mutual support. And kind of feels like we're on the same team. Right now, I'm actually staying at her apartment in New York City. And yeah, we're, we're just helping each other out in little ways. So I think I could probably, I'd like to do something special for her, um, for her apartment. Give her a nice surprise when she returns, something that'll make her happy. Thank you for this prompt to do that. Joyful, connected. A long time. Maybe I'll do something nice. My sister. It always strikes me how um, present we have to be to be able to play this game, Omar. And uh, I wonder what is coming up for our listeners, too, as they hear these stories. It really, uh, it's a practice. When I think, to me, the practice of noticing and naming, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, The noticing first of like, oh, I am feeling something. This word actually is resonating. And then actually pausing to name it. And I think each time that we both notice and name, it's like that social emotion becomes stronger. Our empathy becomes stronger. And it's just this practice. It's like emotional muscle memory. Mm. We'll now get to hear a journal entry. I picked number eight, Bleeding Heart Community. And... Number nine, Rose, vulnerability. Leaning into community to hold and process my grief. Not having to do it alone. Also leaning into vulnerability to find strength. Sharing my grief and gratitudes openly with others. Knowing this is what it takes to bloom in community. So much strength and gentleness in the Rose. Grieving. Leaning in. Vulnerability. What I also appreciate about the practice of resonance and just noticing and naming is how it really just allows us to not need to add anything, right? That those words are enough on their own and without even having to like relate it to our own experiences and just imagine conversations in community where we just where we're heard and we listen right to to hear and to be heard to see and to be seen without adding or subtracting just appreciating what is feels more simple that way I in this round I felt um a slowing down as I was listening. 
there's just so much unexpectedness from the synchronicity of what's going to come up. No one can plan it. You can't autopilot it. And in many ways, it's it's this new language that we're creating uh, for heart resonance. And it gives people ways to share what they're feeling. Vulnerability came up so many times in in these stories. And, and in, in some ways, the plants and the words can give the language that we feel, but sometimes we can't get through our minds to be able to even say it and, and name it, you know? Well, Arlene was really <laughs> kind of saying, hey, we each bleed and we can have empathy and, you know, it's it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, yeah, these are beautiful practices that any one of us uh, can do. If you can bleed, you can share gratitude. Because <laughs> you're alive. <laughs> so do we have um, some callers from our gratitude hotline? So if you haven't checked out our hotline, our gratitude hotline, the number is 510-866-9648. Again, 510-866-9648. Or you can always just email us at hello at gratitudeblooming.com. We love to hear from you. And this is, I think, our first stories uh, from the Gratitude Hotline. Yeah, it's been wonderful to hear the stories from last week's theme of strength. It feels ancient, wise, strong, and grounded. Being tapped into the strength, the knowing, having gone through quite a bit in nature and still standing strong in the truth of the ancient wisdom. Read me the prompt again. In this moment, thinking about the redwood, I'm tapping into my own wisdom, my own strength. So having the redwood as a guide that I can return to feels important, feels like an anchor in my life in this very moment. When I see myself as a tree, I feel very grounded and like connected to the earth and with the strength that it brings, I feel tall and like capable of anything and just like receiving the wisdom of the land and the connection to all that is around me. And with redwood specifically, it's actually my favorite tree. So um, I just love like how big and beautiful and strong they are. And that helps me like realize my strength that I have within. So I think what else is coming up with, with strength, strength specifically is that I right now am like 
learning to find strength within myself. And um, I've always shied away from like who I really am and stepping into that takes strength and bravery and being able to speak my truth and yeah and like just create from that space and and for me it's it's hard and so like finding that strength within and then just like thinking about a redwood in general like makes me feel that so I think that's like also what it brings up well thank you for the two folks who have left messages on our gratitude hotline, we want to hear from you. And if this week's prompt, which hearts in your community are you grateful for? How can you express it to them? Who do you want to express thanks to? We'd love to hear it. We'd love to share it. Gratitude is awesome. And this is, uh, I think, the kind of community building um, that's worth just being a part of and co-creating. And for those of you who have the card deck, we've heard a lot from from others about how even just going through the cards and picking the word that helps you say thank you to someone else, um, it really does change the way that the appreciation is experienced when it's that specific so feel free to use the cards also for this practice of saying thank you in a very specific way to someone in your life. So as we uh, wrap up, what is the practice that you have for us this week? Last week, it was walk like a tree, which I have to say <laughs> was my favorite one. I was walking uh, on the sidewalk earlier this week and I saw all these like beautiful trees that were just you know the leaves were starting to fall and I was imagining them walking and I was like the way I could imagine them walking was through their roots and it was this sort of feeling like oh so cool to see these trees walking through their roots and I could just imagine them as I was going down the block that, oh these trees are all connected to each <laughs> other so I'm very excited to hear what this week's practice yeah, is. Yeah, so it was actually inspired by the symbolism of the bleeding heart plant and how the bleeding heart plant helps us say what's in our hearts and communicate that. So for this week's practice, it's called Thank You and No Thank You. <laughs> inspired by you, Omar, on <laughs> okay. the no thank you. So I'd love for you to focus your attention on one community that you're a part of. It could be your family, friends, your team, or a social group that you're a part of. So just take a moment to visualize one community that you're a part of. And with regards to this community... What are you most grateful for? Could be a person in that community and what you value most about them, or it could be the community as a whole. So just take a moment to come up with a word just so you can remember in this moment. So for me, it's generosity. Grateful for generosity. 
So just hold that word in your heart and you can pause the podcast to just write it down or just keep it in the front and center of your heart, your gratitude. And for those of you who would like a bonus practice, I also invite you to practice no thank you. So if there is something about your relationships that isn't quite serving you, identify and name what that shift is. So for me, it's around saying no when it doesn't feel right in my community. Being able to feel safe to say no. So just contemplate what might that be for you? What is a no thank you for you? And you can just hold that or write a note for yourself just as a way to be in healthy relationships by saying what you're grateful for and also what you would like to shift. What a beautiful set of practices, Belinda. I'm appreciating the thank you and the no thank you. I like to think of no thank you as a thank you to something bigger. Um, And so then that way, a no is just a yes to something that really is important. Um, And so no's help us prioritize what we truly value. And that's what gratitude is. Gratitude is the practice of making visible what you value and really appreciating that which is important. And as we dig into it, then it also just helps us to acknowledge what do we take for granted? What do we don't want in our lives? And, and what, do we, what do we really want to sort of uh, spend our time and energy focused on? Mm-hmm. So we appreciate you listeners. Thank you. And um, if you want to thank us, we would love your likes, follows, subscribes, all those things truly help us build the community that we're trying to create around the gratitude blooming cards and just really uh, what we want to see in the world, right? Where that we can live in better harmony uh, with land, flowers, each other, and make hurtling through space much more enjoyable. (laughs) I love it. Cheers. Cheers.